Hi, and welcome to the Healing After Birth podcast. This is Jennifer Sommerfeld from JS Coaching, your host and author and creator of the Healing After Birth program. This is a podcast for moms who want to explore matters of the heart. If you can relate to any of the following, this podcast is for you. Are you struggling with motherhood? Are you having a hard time during the postpartum period? Did you have a difficult, challenging, or traumatic birth experience? Do you want to learn more about postpartum mental health? Do you want to cultivate healthy, thriving relationships? And are you inspired to take charge of your healing? In this podcast, we include both interviews by professionals in the field of maternal health, as well as vulnerable stories shared by everyday mothers like you. In today's podcast, I have with me guest Nisha Gill, all the way from Australia. Nisha of Feminine Instincts is a Melbourne-based perinatal well-being practitioner offering specialized birth education, doula support for birth, counseling, somatic experiencing for the resolution of trauma and anxiety, a range of bodywork modalities, feminine embodiment practices, and birth hypnosis. As a somatic experiencing practitioner, Nisha offers couples resilience training for birth through nervous system regulation, resolution of previous trauma and anxiety, and birth simulation journeys for expectant mothers with or without internal bodywork. She also works with birth professionals, body workers, and therapists to support their own resilience as they work closely with their clients. Nisha's flavor is one of full embodiment, and she also specializes in promoting access to the primal realm in order to cultivate a felt sense of confidence for birth. Her years of teaching, a form of tantric yoga for women, and training in ecstatic birth have evolved into a unique offering known as Primal Mama Embodied Birth Education. This has a focus on cultivating deep trust in the instinctual nature of pregnancy, birth, and the fourth trimester, and exploring the use of sensuality and sexuality to facilitate the birthing process. Nisha works with individuals, couples, and small groups in person and online, and is also involved in trauma education for birth professionals. You can learn more about Nisha at feminineinstincts.com.au. So let us begin. I'd like to welcome Nisha to today's podcast. Because first of all, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because when I meet um, you know, let's say soul sisters from across the continent. Here you are in Australia, far, far away. And here, you know, um, you're doing such powerful work and similar work. Um, and you have a similar passion in terms of embodied health, right? So healing our nervous systems, especially when it has to do with perinatal trauma, but that the passion is deeper than that. What I understood from your website um, was that you have a real love affair with sensuality and with um, just the essence of our whole felt experience is what I really picked up on. Um, So I wanted to start off with a question about what is this feminine embodiment that you talk about? Um, so I guess, um, you know, I have a sense from my own experience that the majority of us live from our necks up in this world, especially with a focus on our linear reality. And um, until I discovered these practices, I, I wasn't aware of the riches that were in my whole body and particularly my pelvis just by tuning in, just by slowing down and tuning in that there was so much happening there, so much pleasure in my whole body, not just my pelvis. And that this um, takes a bit of retraining, a a bit of um, re-looping into new grooves that um, we're not used to in our modern day existence by and large. So that's in a nutshell, but, you know, there are so many paths to that awareness and both the um, practices I um, 
learned from my mentor and the um, kind of trauma work I do uh, uh, on that same page. They're very similar in their kind of awareness and focus. Yeah. So let's, let's go a little bit into that uh, just so that our listeners can maybe even get a felt sense of what it is that you're speaking of when you're talking about feminine embodiment and this pelvis area and slowing things down. Can you give us an example of maybe even how you work with somebody around that or what it is that you're trying to con- help them reawaken or connect to? Um, with the with that awareness, it is a slow process. So often in a class, it would be a guided process, but allowing um, each person to bring that awareness, of course, at their own pace. So it isn't something you can do in 10 minutes or three weeks. It is a lifelong journey and it is a regular practice to stay there. But once someone has a a, a level of depth of that awareness it is hard to close the door on it it is Mm. you know it's that life force energy it's orgasmic it's actually um very pleasurable but Mm. our awareness is often on the things that aren't working so this is um the window of tolerance this is the life force energy that we all want and we want to cultivate more of because it it drives everything it drives our creativity drives our aliveness um, uh, immunity our good health it is what we all want you know and the opposite is that that chronic state of unwellness and depletion that is so rife in modern life as Mm. you and I know yeah Mm -hmm. so so in following you with that of course I understand that this is this is a journey and it can't be discovered in a 10-minute practice Um, and so coming back to that question around feminine embodiment and what it is that you're passionate about I I think what I'm hearing you say is that you're helping guiding women in back into themselves and these deeper areas in particular you spoke of the pelvis Mm -hmm. and that and that there is um, a connection to a life force that mm-hmm. resides there and that that life force generates not only pleasure but it just it generates activation like it generates just the 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 experience of being alive in one's body yes that that's um absolutely right yes Okay, so this leads me to, I just loved that word, feminine embodiment. So I, <laughs> we, hear, we hear these things a lot, right? We hear the word embodiment and embodied, and I'm with you. I'm all about the embodied lived experience. I think this is it. This is part of the human, the human experience. And mm-hmm. um, we don't always understand what we mean when we hear the word embodiment. And I guess the word feminine as opposed to gender neutral because um, inherent in all of that is a whole biology uh, endocrine system which can't be replicated in a gender neutral body. So, you know, our ovaries come into it. Um, All our organs do come into it. They have a life of their own and a role in in our whole embodiment. So, um, yeah, yeah, it it is um, a feminine practice um Mm. in that sense yeah Mm -hmm. so connecting to the glandular system and and as energy points exactly yes yeah i love that stuff (laughs) (laughs) so tell us a little bit about resilience training this you had this down resilience training for birth i love that and resilient yeah, yeah, is a yeah. big word in, in trauma therapy. So, yeah. So um, I see um, overwhelm, trauma, resilience, all on a continuum, on a, on a spectrum. Mm. And, uh, you know, we, we all come into life in a particular way and every experience we have has a cumulative imprint, impact on us. Mm-hmm. And the more traumatic those um, those um, body memories we hold, 
the more our window of tolerance or our resilience or our ability to cope with stress is um, is shrunk. And so to me, resilience is about having the capacity to deal with a bigger range of stress or overwhelm before we get tipped over the edge. And it is a lifelong journey, you know, life will keep throwing curveballs for us to uh, meet the next challenge. But um, in my experience, the earlier the disruptions, the more cumulative stress we carry in our bodies. So when I see women postpartum with birth trauma, it's not always, uh, and in fact, I would say, a large portion is how they go into birth, not actually what happens in birth. Mm. So how um, relaxed and surrendered can they be for birth, in mm. time for birth? Um, and that's um, um, a big part of, you know, whether they get tipped over the edge or not in birth where there may be something that looks quite... Um, uh, let's say innocuous from the outside but for that woman it was just the final straw and you know it manifests as birth trauma mm -hmm. um, whereas to someone looking from the outside in it may have looked like quite a peaceful birth mm -hmm. but it's really uh, about how they feel from the inside out and that's kind of the bottom line with birth trauma as you and I mm -hmm. appreciate yeah yeah absolutely we definitely speak the same language, yeah. <laughs> which is, it's comforting, you know, when you can speak the same language. Um, yeah. So can you give us an example, because I want our listeners to get as much out of our conversation as they can. <laughs> um, can you give us an example of what you might do in resilience training for birth? Yes, so um, initially I guess it's just um, looking at where the person's at with their uh, level of nervous system regulation, um, what kinds of fears they might have around birth, what kinds of levels of, um, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> I might just start that piece again. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, take a sip of water. <coughs> so... Um, Initially, it would be um, getting a sense of where the person's at with their nervous system, what kinds of fears they hold around birth, um, what stresses they have in their lives, teaching them about their own stress physiology, how that works. Um, and um, then on a very um, somatic level, tuning into their nervous systems and um, giving them tools to. Um, increase that window of tolerance as we describe that that level of um, capacity to um, cope with stress mm -hmm. but as well as that you know I, I really feel that um, in pregnancy it has to be very intentional that they maintain quite firm boundaries about people not um, uh, uh, what should I say people not um, allowing uh, their own, uh, 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 sorry, I'll just start that bit again. I think they have to be quite intentional about uh, having those boundaries and not listening to um, distressing birth stories of others and, mm. um, and you know, not um, contaminating their own mm. sort of re resilient state by opening to um, being, uh, you know, too receptive to any of that. Um, so keeping mm. their birth bubble a little bit more pristine than mm. average, um, you know, person birthing in our culture would have in this day and age. Particularly when you go online, everyone wants to share their yes. distressing story like a badge of honour sometimes. And... Right. <laughs> and I feel that um, particularly for first-time mothers, it's really um, important to um, to keep their radars close to all of that. So that self-sense of boundary, I feel, is really important in pregnancy, birth, mm -hmm. in the fourth trimester especially. 
mm. the level that I that I um, work with in an embodied way with women. Mm. Uh, yeah. Right. It reminds me of Michelle Odant. I'm sure you're familiar with Michelle Odant. Yes. And in some of the teachings, he speaks about how, like the most important thing that we could be offering moms prenatally is to reduce their exposure to stressors. He's been saying yeah. that forever, right? So he was, you know, prenatal classes should be fun. We should be singing. We should be moving yes, <laughs> and, yes. you know, just building up confidence and capacity in trusting in that process, um, but not focusing so much on what can go wrong, um, all the risk factors, like all of these things that add as you were saying, can tip somebody out of our capacity to tolerate stress and then we become dysregulated prenatally. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, I like to also focus on the whole birth team, particularly the partners, because this idea of um, co-regulation in the birth space. So yeah. um, as a doula, I've, I've witnessed this a lot, you know, partners bring their own stresses to the birthplace and this then just kind of infiltrates to the whole birthing bubble and we don't have to do this on a conscious level. We, we're doing it all the time, just being in each other's presence. We impact on the person around us or the people around us just by uh, being regulated or dysregulated in our own nervous system. So pretty important to um, get, almost give partners permission to do their own self-care before um, birth and um, yes I like to really focus on that because it seems like they need that permission they see themselves in the protector role they have to be strong they have to maybe go from two to one income so there's a lot of extra stress around that time anyway mm -hmm. and um, the more they recognize that they're part of this whole journey and how um, they present at birth is going to impact on the birthing person and the baby and around it goes you know the baby's going to impact on mother and partner and vice versa so um, really um, like to focus both pre and postnatally on the partners as well yeah beautiful time. so very holistic family-centered approach yeah yeah so let's talk a bit about the fourth trimester mm -hmm. and um, your perspective on the fourth trimester and what you see, what you experience. I think birth is just huge. I mean, I, I can't imagine anything bigger than birth in anyone's life. Mm -hmm. No matter how many babies you've birthed, it's just a physiological and energetic uh, emotional opening like no other opening and yes. for um for a, a, a birthing person that whole journey has to be a process it can't happen overnight you can't be jumping out on day two and going shopping um <laughs> in the supermarket without something giving you know i think um just once again this um um, access to social media has, has um, uh, a good and not so good side and often you know people um, have comparisonitis and see what others are doing and, and maybe are condoned for rushing out of that birthing bubble but um, my whole emphasis and I think a lot more people are aware of this now is that really that that initial postnatal period has to be on it as a slow process of coming back to our yes. bodies, our emotional, our physical, our energetic bodies, and um, that we seek the support to create that possibility. Because in our in our current lifestyles, a lot of the people I support that have, you know, family interstate or overseas, they're very isolated. That old village is just not there, and I think. Now, I think you'd agree that a lot of um, mental health issues, I don't even like that label, is just the normal response to that lack of support, that lack of rest, basic things. Rest is so underestimated, right? Yes. <laughs> and, um, all that care that really most um, 
women would really benefit from and not just women not just the birthing mothers um the babies themselves if mama's not okay baby's never going to be okay so mm. um often i do find that um you know there's this idea that self-care is selfish but in the end if you reframe it well it's actually for your baby it's not just for you so mm. <laughs> you know it, it kind of helps them come to terms with that idea that maybe they just have to spend a little money and save up for some postpartum care, whatever that looks like, a doula or um, other kinds of support um, that may cost a little bit um, mm. or not, or not. If they have good community support, that can also be really um, mm. valuable. Do you notice, uh, I, you know, I, I'm following you and I of course agree about the whole need for integration um, mm. slowing down that fourth trimester um, so that we can we 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 can I say it's like we we were discombobulated in birth and it's like we need to pull back all of these pieces all of these cells you know that mm. were blown wide open for us to be able to do the miracle that happens mm. um, you know, and there's a there's a settling into all of that as everything sorts itself out again, not just physically, but as you said, energetically. Um, mm. With trauma, um, in particular, birth trauma. You know, my perspective is that the fourth trimester is completely kiboshed. Mm. And I'm curious, you know, so in other words, the trauma, if left unresolved, you know. Be, mm. In my greatest dreams, it would be to have um, almost like first responders to meet with moms in the immediate postpartum to help them discharge that traumatic material. Yeah. That would be amazing. Um, yeah. But given that that's rare, um, you know, trauma fractures us in such a way um, that the postpartum is is or that fourth trimester um, is completely dysregulated and disrupted mm -hmm. and so i'm just wondering if you want to comment on that if you have any ideas or resources yes so that, that is actually where i'm starting to target more of my services um, with postpartum packages for resilience postpartum not just prenatally because Nice. That's where the isolation lies, and it's often um, through Skype because, um, you know, then that issue of having to travel anywhere is not, um, not there. And um, just having someone to talk to, someone to debrief with who is not a partner and a mother and um, someone who's neutral and maybe has a little bit more knowledge around um, what what the um, the symptoms might mean, mm. and when I say symptoms, it might just be overwhelm. It might be feeling a bit down. It might be um, replaying the birth um, in, in you know over and over again, and uh, until that's kind of uh, um, resolved or there's some kind of breaking of the circuit that can just take a hold and keep looping around. Um, essentially, on a nervous system level, it's um, maybe an overwhelming situation which may, may have become disrupted and there hasn't been a kind of completion to it. So that idea of completion mm -hmm. um, where someone can hold space and um, guide that person through um, to any kind of sort of um, body or somatic discharge of the um, big energies of birth and the overwhelm that occurs for anyone I, I, no matter how blissful the birth is it's still an overwhelming experience yeah. and um, yeah so having that opportunity to do that to me is um, one way to to then um, uh, prevent that sort of um, continuing uh, symptom manifestation and the longer those symptoms remain the more entrenched they tend to become and on top of them we start to um, assume identities of you know being a victim of birth trauma or 
uh, a depressed person or an anxious person and all those labels are really not that useful um, we feel what we feel because it's our nervous system helping us to survive in the way that it knows how so to me that early early um, um, you know breaking of the circuit is really quite important in, in that um, um, ability to continue with a healthy nervous system that impacts the whole family yeah it absolutely does now mm -hmm. you're trained in something called somatic experiencing which is peter levine's work correct mm -hmm. that's right yeah and uh, i mean i love i love his work he was one of the first people um, that i stumbled upon during my own healing journey and read mm -hmm. a lot of his material um, so perhaps from a somatic experiencing perspective because these are important for our listeners to hear that there are different ways in which we can access support and that um, regulating our nervous system and discharging all of that um, unresolved traumatic material that we feel in our body is part of the somatic experiencing um, method from, from my understanding, correct me if I am wrong. Yes, that's correct, yeah. A yeah. sense of completion. Yeah. A sense of completion and so, I know, um, and maybe you can speak to speak more to this because there there is the physiological completion that happens in which you know we can look at the shaking and we can look at the tense that then relaxes and maybe we have to move around, maybe we have to finish doing something right mm -hmm. um, physically to start to move that energy that um, remains trapped in our bodies. Um, mm -hmm. There's also the emotional releasing that happens with that trapped um, material and just, you know, the expression of grief mm -hmm. such, and anger, but let's just work with grief for a minute, right, is such a big part of the releasing from my experience. So I'm curious what you have to say about that. Um, you know, in the work I do, it's very much following the person's lead. So um, grief is, is certainly something that can come up, but equally anger, as you pointed out, or sadness, which mm -hmm. is a little bit of a different flavour to grief, or um, frustration, you know, any of those things. Um, and sometimes embodied shame, in fact, quite often associated with trauma, shame, some kind of shame. Yeah. Um, but um, what I normally do is just um, tune into where that person's nervous system is at, create some level of safety, <clears throat> and that can take a process of connection and attunement to... to um, that person you know as a personality as well as as a nervous system so focus is always on the nervous system over and above the story the narrative the personality um, and um, holding space for whatever comes up whether it's grief whether it's um, sadness but not necessarily from the way i've been taught to work to push those buttons because that then becomes catharsis and um, whilst this place for catharsis um, when we're trying to settle the nervous system it's um, in my experience preferable to work within what feels like the window of tolerance because sometimes people can be tipped out of their window of tolerance if you like mm -hmm. through catharsis and then their um, their witness goes offline their their neocortex if you like mm -hmm. um, which um, keeps track of their experiences and so the integration of any shifts is a little harder when that that occurs so um, yes it is important to express but only as much as that person wants to um, creating a safe space for that to happen um, but I don't personally trigger emotional release in my work um, I allow for it and I hold space for it mm -hmm. but I let it emerge when it needs to um, as it bubbles to the surface yes 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 within their within their degree of comfort yeah but also then normalizing all of those emotions and um you know not um not 
um, encouraging any taking on of identities, as I said before, not you know labeling themselves um, less than capable just because they feel these strong emotions. They very much encourage um, feelings, but feelings as body sensations, because in the end, um, everything we feel is shifting, nothing stuck, and that's the thing with trauma is that sense that we're stuck in a state. Yeah. Whereas um, through somatic experiencing, particularly there's this um, sense of giving the, the nervous system a new groove of not being stuck. So kind of the word is pendulating between um, places that are more expansive and then going back to the place mm -hmm. of contraction and then um, having you know more of these sort of um, oscillating experiences so that uh, the person realises that... Um, if we um, bring that fine-tuned awareness to parts of our body, we realise that everything moves and shifts in certain directions. And um, it is it, actually a very hopeful state when you realise that everything moves and, wow, there's this level of expansion on the other side of contraction. Mm. So it, yeah, and so it, it kind of engenders a greater sense of safety and relaxation just by that experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Beautiful. Um, this brings me to my next question in which you were highlighting something that you call um, moving into the primal realm <laughs> and primal mama education. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you yeah. speak to that? So um, this... Um, um, practice I have learnt um, over the years and it's um, uh, along those lines of feminine embodiment mm. and um, it's that slow path to um, to rewiring if you like our nervous systems our whole way of being um, to slow down to allow feelings to surface and uh, sensations and not getting caught up in the narrative of the story of why and why not mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, um, through breath um, through vocalization through movement mm -hmm. uh, learning to tune in more to our primal nature our um, you know instinctual bodies and um, in this practice I um, include sensuality sexuality as birthing tools but Focusing on what's working rather than um, what's not working so that, um, you know, we're kind of um, held by, by that overall sense of, you know, this body is pretty amazing. Um, it may have a few niggly bits, but overall it's got all these um, amazing capacities. Uh, and in the practice itself, because it's... Um, very much at the person's pace it's not like a prescriptive you know the other <laughs> if I could use an example the other end of the spectrum would be Iyengar yoga where it's very um, mm. kind of linear and very um, exacting this is about moving from the inside out mm. and um, mm. um, moving within your own comfort level adjusting for whatever um, stage of pregnancy your body's in really feeling into what you need rather than thinking about what it should look like and and so that um, other piece that's um, perhaps a little bit unique is using um, um, voice sound because this kind of um, helps um, to some degree to mitigate um, the, the perception of pain it certainly um, helps with um, um, bringing parts of your body alive um, and um, helping you know, um, dampen any kind of discomfort, but expanding um, parts of the body for more pleasure as well on, on the flip side. So it's, um, it's kind of a dual thing that goes on. On the one hand, you're... Um, uh, dealing with the stuff that you don't actually want to focus on and, and you're increasing space for pleasure, for mm. ease, for wellness in your body. 
And so this is, again, it's a process over time. And my, um, my understanding comes from um, Tantra, from Taoism and mm. from women's mysteries. I had an amazing teacher who um, created this practice and then I've evolved it into my own for birth. And um, so after years of experiencing it, I've come to realise how aligned it is um, for birth preparation, but also mm. for um, holding space for trauma to surface. So creating safe spaces where trauma can naturally surface. Mm -hmm. And then in a very similar way, dealing with any feelings that pop up as sensations, not so much what happened and why. So the neocortex automatically is encouraged to go offline and that, that felt sense is where um, the focus is. Mm, mm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Is this something you offer online that moms might want to join or is this an in-person thing? At the moment it, it is in-person, but I had many requests for taking it online. Um, Part of the beauty of it is um, that co-regulation piece, that sense of permission when women come in, into circle and practice together. There's a whole quality that's really hard to capture online. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll have to think about that seriously <laughs> because mm -hmm. it has been a request. Um, I do have a, you know, a very, um, um, should I say, um, small version of that idea of tuning into body on a sensation level mm -hmm. just as an audio on my website, mm -hmm. but um, it's nowhere um, like the practice over six weeks where you, um, you know, you understand themes around self-connection or sensuality or um, support and um, how all of those fit into preparing for birth and the fourth mm -hmm. trimester. Mm. Yeah, I love your point about um, being with the sensations, the felt sensations without labeling them. We speak about yeah. this as well quite a bit and how, you know, our brain is a meaning making organ <laughs> and yeah. that's, it's beautiful that, you know, it really is what allows us to be these complex human experiencing, you know, life. Um, mm. Yeah. You know, but that need to create meaning often clouds our capacity to pay attention to what's arising without yeah. name, yeah, without naming it or labeling it as an emotion, and therefore that emotion means this, but just a sensation. Go ahead, what were you mm, going to say? Absolutely. I was just going to um, add one more piece, and that is. Um, with uh, women preparing for birth, often, you know, I come across um, mothers who think that they can go um, on working until about 38 weeks of their pregnancy and then suddenly prepare for birth. <laughs> but um, I um, really, really encourage the, the women I support as a doula or birth educator to to switch off their linear thinking by about 37 weeks and really get into their sensuality, their sexuality, any kind of pleasure um, and stop reading, stop listening to podcasts even. Um, <laughs> what I call the descent, really starting to descend into birth because it's, I, I really think it's a process. It can't happen overnight. Yeah. And I would hazard a guess that, you know, that might be, part of just one piece of why there's so much um intervention in birth in this day and age and, and a lack of trust in our bodies because we we're so unfamiliar with our the magic of our bodies <laughs> as we sit in our offices and look at computer screens mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and so unfamiliar with the sensations yes right so not allowing um, ourselves to really be with those sensations and then we're in labor which is full of sensations yeah yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah i was also going to add there's a, another angle um with birth preparation that i focus on through um this um combination of somatic experiencing so kind of really respecting the readiness of the body or the nervous system 
but um, kind of like a, a birth simulation journey with internal body work. As a body worker, I um, offer internal body work to um, help um, reduce uh, kind of anxiety around, you know, that part of the body and whatever it is our pelvis is holding because regardless of um, the background we bring, I think I would say 99% of women on the planet carry a lot of stress in their pelvises. So no matter what that looks like, it doesn't have to be any kind of abuse situation um, or previous birth trauma. We just hold a lot of tension in our pelvises. So to um, kind of um, desensitise that whole part of the body before birth, I think is a great idea. And um, certainly women who've had previous birth trauma come to see me very much for that purpose. Yeah. So just to clarify that, um, mm. you offer a very unique service in which um, includes touch and internal um, body work, mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is rare. This is, not, this is not something that is readily available. Is that something that um, physiotherapists, I'm thinking as well, probably offer, like especially pelvic floor health therapists? So... I'm just imagining if there isn't anybody in, in um, local communities, you know, who specialize in the, the things that you specialize in, that they might still be able to work through some of that mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Yeah, um, I mean, that would have to be prenatally, a lot of pelvic floor physios yeah. come into play postnatally. Yeah. Yeah. And also then um, um, adding the somatic experiencing piece, which is if trauma comes up, you actually work with trauma mm -hmm. in a, in a trauma-informed way where you're um, helping move that trauma, trauma out of the system. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's really an area that I think a lot of women could benefit from regardless of whether they're pregnant or not. I agree, um, yeah. As very vulnerable. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah incredibly yeah. vulnerable. And mm. um, I, I see the, the power, the power in it. Yeah, mm. so thank you for doing, offering that. That's a very special gift that you offer. Thank you. Yeah. I want to close uh, our conversation with this idea of closing of the bones. When I read that, <laughs> maybe it's very literal, <laughs> but mm. when I read it, I felt uh, something very mythic about it even. Like there was something mm -hmm. soulful about this closing of the bones ceremony. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, so it, it's um, picking up from that sense that, you know, birth is a huge opening on all levels. Um, and that's, you know, this idea that when a woman gives birth, she goes off to the stars to bring her baby down to earth. Mm. And it's kind of literally um, that sense I get when I'm um, offering this um, ritual to women who, who would like it. And um, it comes from Mexico, actually, that the idea of closing of the bones or somewhere in South America should be a bit more specific than that. But... Um, and it's um, it was that, it was offered in um, South America as a um, a way to bring the pelvic bones back into place. But of course, nothing they do is only on a physical level. It's on all levels. It's that idea of bringing the mother back into her body energetically um, to claim parts of herself that may have felt missing or that sense of disintegration that she might um, have experienced through birth and bringing it all together with intention um, in a ritualistic way so that her whole being is honoured in that ceremony. And um, it's done with rebozos, you know, we yes. use rebozos in uh, pregnancy and birth for um, um, helping baby get into a good position. Well, this is done with. So I'll maybe, just let them know it's a long, it's a piece of material, a long piece of material. 
like yes. a shawl. Yeah. A Mexican shawl, yes. 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 And um, so the rebozos, I have about seven of them that are um, placed um, at the joints of the mother, so starting from the ankles moving up. Mm -hmm. And um, they kind of uh, um, come across to bind those joints in a ritualistic way. Mm -hmm. And then she lies there almost like a mummy with um, these beautiful rebozos holding her in um you know and close to her body and she um um then has that sense of coming back to herself and around that you know individual practitioners offer it in the way that fits in with their practice so you might have drumming you might have certain kind of music or um, sage cleansing or essential oils or um you know a foot bath with flowers or whatever um, fits with um, the kind of um, way you honour somebody who's postpartum mm. and um, the process can take an hour or more and um, at the end you know the mother has time to kind of just um, integrate and then debrief and um, move on in um, her life with that newfound sense of completion so it's also an honoring of her birthing journey a celebration of that and then a completion of that phase of her life and there have been women who've come 20 years postpartum feeling something's still missing something's not right and they come along and have this ritual and feel complete mm. which is kind of amazing mm -hmm. yeah mm, thank you for sharing that visual of the wrapping and the mother being mm. cocooned in all of that energy and i'm actually uh, having flashes of my one of my midwifery apprenticeships in mexico mm. where we did this rebozo technique um, i don't remember it being called closing of the bones which i think is such a beautiful meaningful title for it um, mm -hmm. And, you know, how modern day practices have just moved us away from these rituals and how, you know, kind of just bringing this all to a close, how healing from any kind of trauma really is powerfully done so in ritual. Mm, mm. And we um, negate to include that often, especially mm. in our modern day conversations with neuroscience which I love, <laughs> um, but, you know, even just the felt sense of what you just said there, you know, reminds me, reminds us that there is power in ceremony, power and ritual, because it's moving us into that right hemisphere. It's moving us into those altered states where I believe we give birth from and I believe we heal from. Mm, totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So do you have any final um, comments that you would like to leave with our listeners? I think to um, add that, you know, while people become very isolated when they have any kind of um, anxiety, trauma, symptoms like depression, um, uh, and there's often a lot of self-judgment and blame there may be um, un, uh, unexpressed anger as well, um, to really know that they are not alone, that these experiences are sadly very common in modern uh, day birthing cultures and that there are lots of people they can reach out to. So the sooner they do reach out, um, the better um, the whole family, especially the little ones, because they're so... Um, you know, inter intertwined with um, um, their, their own well-being. So to really not delay that decision to reach out to to um, to to um, yeah to do that as soon as they can and as soon as they're well well enough because a lot of things can happen online as well these days. Mm -hmm. They don't have to get dressed out of their pajamas to go anywhere. They can they'll get that support. Mm. Um, from anywhere around the world actually <laughs> it yes. could be it could be you Jennifer <laughs> supporting someone in Australia so it doesn't really matter 
where they are. Yeah. yeah. And vice versa. Um, yeah. It, I, that is one of the reasons why I did create that international postpartum support resource, which I believe you're on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that there are options, um, free services, paid services, right, that are mm -hmm. globally accessible. And mm. yeah, mm. thank you for that um, very gentle reminder for moms to, to reach out and to not be isolated and alone. Mm. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to bring our conversation to a close and... I really appreciated dancing around some of these very rich, very meaningful, very deep um, topics of conversation that I know one hour doesn't always do justice, you know? <laughs> how, do, how do we bring to life our work that we've cultivated over however many years, right? It's not mm -hmm. always easy to mm -hmm. communicate the essence of what it is. But, you know, I just want to highlight that what I really heard is a, a real deep commitment um, and love to the feminine and to the family and to this hope and belief that we can heal our nervous systems. Mm -hmm. And with that, come into more joy, come into more pleasure. And I just... You know, when I when I think of you, Nisha, that's what I'm going to think of. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, I, I'm so in awe of the space that you hold. So thank you so much. It's been my absolute pleasure being here today. Mm. And so our listeners, if they want to reach out to you, because I know you have a lot to offer on your website, can you just once again um, say your website? Yes, so it's... Um, it's feminineinstincts.com.au. Um, yes, and um, there's lots of ways to contact me from there. So um, just jumping online is the first step. Mm. 